pray that you would help us all to know Jesus as King in our hearts and in our lives day by day. We pray for Dave that you would give him your words to speak to us this morning, Jesus. Fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. How did I not remember Jesus in that quiz? How did I forget that? That's crazy. No. No, they're going to use... It's the obvious thing. It's the obvious thing. Yeah. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? Are your presents wrapped, food ordered? No, no. It's a bit early, isn't it, actually? We're only, what, the 15th, so it's still 10 days to go. Um, so we're getting there. We're getting there. It does feel a little bit odd doing Christmas carols now when really it seems right to do it a bit later on in December, doesn't it? But hey, we've got Christmas carols at the, at the centre and at the kiosk in the next uh, week or so. Um, one thing just to want to mention, um, this afternoon, some of you go to Norburn, is that right? Yeah, Jeff's strumming his guitar at Norburn this afternoon. I know there's a few of you here that go there once a month to hold a service, really, for people that wouldn't otherwise come to church. So it's great. If you are available, three o'clock, is it, this afternoon, at Norburn um, in Breton, then, then feel free to go along. I went last year and they supplied lots of tea and cake and it was great singing lots of Christmas carols. So, great. Pray for these guys that go there because um, it's not easy for them, but they are incredibly faithful at bringing the message of Christ to people that, that wouldn't hear it otherwise. Okay, so over the last three weeks, we've been thinking about who Jesus is. We've thought about Jesus being... Uh, our priest who came to forgive us. We've thought about Jesus, our prophet, who teaches us. Uh, last week, Simon shared about Jesus being our shepherd to guide us. And this morning, I want to, uh, as we head towards Christmas, as we uh, head towards that time of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, I want to say this morning that Jesus is our king to rule us. Amen? Amen? Jesus was born a king. Jesus preached the kingdom. Jesus died as a king. And Jesus is coming back as a king. I wonder what comes to your mind when you think about a king. I think Esther's counting up how many times I say the word king. Is that right? Yeah. It's kind of trying to hammer home the message. You've all kind of probably had, over the last few weeks, get Brexit done, uh, all, those, all those sort of messages sort of going in. I want you to know this morning Jesus is king. What comes to your mind? Perhaps it's the picture of a man on a throne wearing a crown, dressed in royal robes. Maybe what comes to your mind is castles or horses or suits of armour and swords. Or perhaps it's somebody who has authority and status. What is a king? Well, to find out, you have to kind of consult the experts. So I went to Google, and uh, Google says that a king is a male ruler of an independent state, especially one who inherits the position by birth. Kings are not elected, they are born. 
They are born into royal families. And they come from often a great line of kings and queens. And when we read the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, it doesn't feel like we're being drawn into a royal birth. I mean, Jesus wasn't born in a palace with servants and under the protection of armed guards. There was no royal midwife or maternity unit. And while Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the town of King David, there's another one, Esther, the baby arrived. And we're told that Mary wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough. So you could say that this was the first king-sized bed. Is it going to come up on screen? It's the first king-sized bed ever. You know, the first mention of Jesus being a king we have in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Herod the Great, as he was called, makes the connection between King of the Jews and the Messiah. And he's worried by this news and asks the priests and teachers of the law where the Christ would be born. And they confirm the birthplace as Bethlehem, quoting from the prophet Micah 5.2, says this, But you, Bethlehem, in, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler. That's a ruler with a crown, not a, a measuring tape. A ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. You know, the Magi, they didn't come to Jesus to seek salvation. They didn't come to find forgiveness. They didn't even come to find healing or to get their needs met. They come to worship him. They come to worship the king and to offer them, offer him their gifts. They recognised Jesus as king at his birth. You know, in the early years of Israel's history, they didn't have kings. They didn't have kings that ruled them. God raised up people to lead the people. Look back at Moses, who God called in the wilderness from the burning bush to go and lead, his peop- lead God's people from slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And just on the edge of the promised land, as Moses departs, Joshua is raised up to lead the people to take the cities that God had given them. Then a series of judges with the help of prophets, led the people of Israel. They considered God as their king. He was the, 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 he was the, the monarch, if you like. He was the one in charge. God was king. And then a thousand years before Christ, the people of Israel think they, think they know better. <clears throat> they think that they should appoint a king 
uh, sorry, a man <coughs> as a king. Like some of the other nations around them. And we can see in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that Israel, the people of Israel, ask for a king. They demand from Samuel the prophet to give them a king to lead them like the other nations. And they do this because they didn't, they didn't want Samuel's sons uh, taking over from him because they didn't walk in godly ways. His two sons perverted justice, accepted bribes, and gained their income dishonestly. Now Samuel wasn't keen on this idea of appointing a king, and he called out to God. And God answers Samuel's prayer saying this. He says, God says, listen to the people. It's not you who they are rejecting. They have rejected me as their king. As they have done since I rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Listen to them and warn them what the king who will rule over them will do. And then if you read on in that chapter, God God gives a whole list of things, warnings to the people of Israel, what an earthly king will do to them. I won't go into the details now, but it's not nice. It's not nice what he says. Have you rejected God as your king? Later in the story, Saul becomes Israel's first king, the leader of the nation. And when we, what happens then is we start this pattern we start a pattern of good king, bad king. Good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king. And the pattern goes on. So here's a quick test for you. I'll name some kings. I can get Ken back now, can't I? I'll name some kings. Kings of Israel, kings of Judah from the Bible. And I want you to tell me, were they a good king or a bad king? So here we go. Let's start with the first one. Start with an easier one. King Saul. Good king or bad king? Kind of started off okay, didn't he? Started off okay and then kind of lost it towards the end. King David. Good. Depends how you measure good, doesn't it? Yeah, he's, he was, he's considered one of Israel's greatest kings. And yeah, you'd kind of scale on a measuring scale, you'd probably say he's pretty good. King Solomon. Yeah. A wise king, yes, a wise king, but was he good? King Rehoboam, bad king or good king? Bad king, yeah, he didn't seek the heart of God. King Adonijah, good king or bad king? Bad king, yeah, he appointed himself king, he undermined his father's authority. King Abijah. Good king or bad king, Ken? Okay. He was okay. No, he's bad. <laughs> he didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. King Asa. Or Asa. He was a good king. Yeah. And then we've got King Nabad and Basha and Arah and Zimri and Omri and Ahab. All bad. 
And then Jehoshaphat, good king, yeah, good king. And so the pattern continued, and it went on like that, and there was never really a really good king. And so when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she'll give birth to a son, he also says this in Luke chapter 1, 32 to 33. He says this about Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus will always be king. His kingship will never end. Even before his birth, heaven was declaring that Jesus is king. Second thing I want to talk about this morning is Jesus preached the kingdom. He preached about his kingdom. At the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, when he began to call his disciples, it was Nathaniel who recognised Jesus as king. Remember the story of Nathaniel? We don't know what he was doing under that fig tree, but somehow Jesus did without being in Nathaniel's physical presence. But it was this that led him to announce in front of his friends, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Just in one conversation about what Jesus saw Nathaniel, what Nathaniel was doing under that fig tree, when he announced what, what, that he knew what had happened, Nathaniel declared Jesus as the Son of God and the King of Israel. You might think Jesus preached about salvation, poverty, kindness, money, marriage, work, children, unholiness, and he did. But the thing he spoke most about was the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven cannot be located on Google Maps. It's not a physical place, all right? The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is a way of life. It's a set of values or principles. It's a different way of being. When you are a child of the king or a servant of the king, you do everything in your life in honour of the king. Esther, what number are we up to? 89 mentions of the word king. Oh, sorry, it's 90 now, isn't it? (laughs) The kingdom of God is a way of life. The kingdom, Jesus said, is the kingdom of God is within you. It's not a place over there. It's in here. You live, you think, you behave in a way that is opposite to the kingdom of this world. Paul in Romans 14, 17 said this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. We'll do some of that later. But, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's read that again. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a physical place. It's not a physical thing, but it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
That's the evidence of the kingdom of God at work in a believer's life. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Not, not, not worked up, but it's under the power, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So shame, anxiety, sadness can be the result of living under the influence of the demonic. God's kingdom reflects his character, holiness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom that Jesus preached. And he he spoke about the kingdom so many times. I think it's about 127 times he talks about the kingdom, what the kingdom of God is like in the New Testament. He says it's like a vineyard. It's like a mustard seed. It's like a net of fish. Basically, this, you know, he separates good fish from bad fish. It's like a precious pearl that, that you, you seek after. It's like treasure hidden in a field. It's like a wedding banquet. It's a celebration. It's like yeast that works its way through the whole batch of dough. It's contagious. It grows slowly. You can't enter it unless you become like a child. The kingdom of God The kingdom of heaven was Jesus' manifesto. That's what he went on about time and time again. Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you living in the kingdom of God? Third thing I want to say this morning is Jesus was king at his death. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the city of the great king, which he called that in Matthew 5, 35, he comes riding on a donkey, and what I call a half donkey, it's baby donkey, with people calling out and waving palm branches and laying their cloaks on the dusty road, like a red carpet. That's how he entered into the, 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 the city of Jerusalem. And the crowds shout out, Hosanna to the son of David. They recognized his kingly line. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This was the fulfillment of, the, of what Zechariah the prophet spoke of concerning the coming of Israel's king 400 years beforehand. 400 years before Jesus came riding on that donkey. Zechariah says, said this, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. That prophetic vision had been fulfilled as Jesus entered the city of the great king. And it's not long before those calling him the son of David are shouting, crucify him. Jesus is arrested, beaten and spat on and finds himself in a palace. And it's the palace of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. This is where he's questioned. And Pilate asks, in John 18, 33, Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asks a question, like he usually does. And then he responds saying, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. And Pilate says, 
so you are a king then. And Jesus doesn't deny, Jesus doesn't lie. He always tells the truth. If Jesus lied, he wouldn't be sinless. He wouldn't be the king. He wouldn't be the son of God. He would be a sinner. But Jesus tells the truth. And he says this, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. Get that. It's confidence, isn't it? I came into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Are you listening? Are you listening to the truth that comes from the King this morning? From the very words of Jesus. And then Pilate asks the crowd, shall I crucify your king? And they reply, again, rejecting God, we have no king but Caesar. Can you imagine that? The Jews hated the Romans. And then they say, Caesar is our king. Jesus is led away by soldiers who put a purple robe over his shoulders and push a twisted crown of thorns on his head. They mock him by falling on their knees in front of him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. He's led away to be crucified, and even the sign written above the cross, the place of his execution, reads, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus was a king at his death. When Jesus died, all hope of a conquering Messiah, King, was dashed in those who believed he'd come to rule and reign them. His unique and divine birth, his sinless and holy life, his death in our place and his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father in heavenly glory, gives us hope and a promise of his return in his second advent. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus will come again. He will come again. It's what we call his second advent. He'll come not as a vulnerable baby. He'll come not as a, a prophet or a teacher. He'll not come as a shepherd but as a king. And not just any old king, he will come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Bible tells us. It says, he who is faithful, he's called faithful and true, will come for his bride, the church. In that time, we won't need any elections or voting. There'll be no political parties. No man or woman will govern us. You have no preference of political party there'll be no general election Jesus the king of ages the Lord almighty will reign and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord all nations will come and worship before him and marvel at what he has done you know at Christmas we celebrate his first coming 
we do that, don't we? We sing carols, we sing about the birth. But you know, his, his first coming helps us to look forward to his second coming in anticipation. This morning as I finish, I want to ask you, is Jesus your king? Or have you rejected him? Are you living in his kingdom and experiencing freedom from guilt, peace in the storms of life, an overwhelming joy in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you know him, King Jesus? Will you bow down in worship to your king today? I love the story of the parable of the, uh, the virgins, the ten virgins. It's a picture of Christ's second coming. There's ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. Picture of Jesus. It says five are foolish, but five are wise. The wise ones have bring extra oil for their lamps. But the five what, foolish ones don't. And... Uh, the story goes that the bridegroom's on his way and the five, the foolish ones, they kind of run out. And they ask the wise ones if they can loan them some oil and they say, no, we can't do that. Go and buy some yourself. Of course, whilst they're away, the bridegroom comes and takes away the, the five wise virgins. And they go in to the wedding celebration and the door is shut to the five foolish ones. You know, we have an opportunity. If, you're, if you don't know Jesus today, if, you, if he's not your king, then I'd encourage you to, to make a wise choice. To make Jesus your king. To bow before him and to worship him. To acknowledge him and to ask him to come into your life. There's no pressure for you to do that today, but it's very, it's, it's very much something I'd encourage you to think about, to question, to have a conversation about, to pray about, to think about. I wouldn't want anybody to have the door closed in their face when Jesus returns. And for those of us who know the King, <coughs> every day we have an opportunity to make Jesus great again. I know that sounds like a political phrase from Donald Trump, doesn't it? Make Jesus great again. But we do. We have the best news ever. The news of salvation in Christ. The news of forgiveness in Jesus. Let's make sure we are living a kingdom life that reflects the character of King Jesus. Amen? Thank you. Let's, let's pray. I don't know if you guys have got another song to finish with. How many, Esther? 140. That's not bad going, is it? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our king, our great king. You are the king of kings. And uh, Lord, as we head towards celebrating the most amazing event in history, the birth, 
the miraculous birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to reflect on and to know the reasons why Jesus came to this earth as a vulnerable baby. It was to point us, to direct us towards you. It was to bring us back to you, Lord, our great King. We pray that uh, each one of us, Lord, would consider where we're at on our journey in the kingdom of God, that we would seek to please you, we would seek to honour you, we would seek to share you with our friends, our family, our work colleagues, the people that we know, Lord, so that they can receive entrance into your kingdom. Yeah, come Lord Jesus, come and bring new life, bring new hope, to those in our city who are struggling. Lord, we want to see righteousness. We want to see peace and joy in the Holy Spirit across this nation, across our world, where all will bow before you and acknowledge you as King Jesus. Amen. Let's stand as we sing, O come all ye faithful. <laughs>